do this. Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight I just have our chivalry of Shota's Shotaro. I'm enjoying watching those archery boys shoot. <laughs> what are they shooting? Many things. <laughs> Is it actually a good show? Because I am thinking about picking it up. It's Annie, and they don't hold back on the animation, so it's beautiful, and it's so gay. There's like three episodes out. There's already like seven ships. Girl, you know it. <laughs> to be, uh, to be, uh, I want to just clarify something. We're talking about the new Annie show. Was it called Surune? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's basically about archery boys, and it it looks really good from the previews that I've seen. I'm really considering picking it up, so I guess it has your endorsement so far. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we don't really have any announcements or news to get into, so we're just going to get right into it. Um, we're talking about something that uh, I guess is kind of a, a niche topic to be talking about, um, and that is this idea of copyright law in Japan as it relates to doujinshi now i know a lot of you out there probably already know what doujinshi is but we're going to start off by actually defining what it is for the five people out there probably don't know what it is so um i actually didn't know this until i we started reading up about uh this topic that doujinshi is actually a uh, like a combination of two different words doujin which means same person and she which is short for zashi which is a magazine so a doujinshi is quite literally a self-published magazine that caters to a specific group of people that is like that's like the literal definition of doujinshi did you actually know that before you we read into this nope I didn't either. I was I was shocked. I, and uh, you know, we always uh, me and you and I'm sure many other people do this too. Like we use the word doujin as like a short form of doujinshi. I and, use the word DJ. It confuses well, people. I know. <laughs> I used to do that too, but it, I found out I was like people were really confused by that. But yeah, I, I think a lot of us use the the short form of that doujin, but it's actually it's a separate word and it literally means uh, a group of people with shared interests. Um Yeah. So basically, in in layman's terms, it's like an indie comic. That's what a mm-hmm. doujinshi is. Yeah, and there's this. I think there's this false perception out there that, do, although a lot of doujinshi do cater to certain like sexual like fetishes and like they sexualize characters in existing media, doujinshi by nature don't have to be um, like sexually explicit. No, but only the good ones are. <laughs> <laughs> you can certainly make the case that a lot of the good ones are. And they don't necessarily have to be derivative either. I mean, there are some like original doujinshi out there with original characters and original stories too. I actually prefer, personally, original doujinshi. I actually do as well. I just, I just, I don't know. I just easier to get immersed in the story. It is, it is. Especially when, you know, there's not already established characters who have established personality traits and they're doing all these things and it's like, this seems really out of character for these people, but okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing we're gonna actually going to really get into tonight is how, uh, since doujinshi is a lot of them that aren't original works, are derivative to things that are copyrighted works, that's what we really want to talk about tonight. Um, and I think... Uh, one of the things we can start off talking about is how like Japanese law can 
differentiates from how it's how it's done in the West in with regards to like derivative works, um, especially derivative fan works. Um, and that's like these anime and manga companies that produce these these copyrighted materials that Dojinshi end up being based off of, uh, typically turn a blind eye to the artists that create Dojinshi. Yeah, and, uh, it, and it's been that way pretty much forever. I don't know how long it's been that way, honestly. <laughs> but it's um, it comes as pretty shocking when, like, for me, who's Canadian, this kind of thing where an independent, self-published uh, work that is using characters from uh, somewhere else and is selling these works is allowed to do that legally, that's just so strange because that wouldn't happen in canada no it wouldn't happen in america either i mean i just can look at all these people like there there's really talented people like on youtube who will create like these fan films for different uh like um properties that exist here in the west and they a lot of these companies will let it go until they get to a certain point of popularity and they're like nah shut it down yeah, a really a really good example of that, which I can actually relate to the anime industry. So, <laughs> I know you don't like it when I talk about this, but there's a thing. There was a, a fan project on YouTube called Star Trek Continues that actually starred Vic Mignogna, who is a prominent English language dub voice actor, um, and that ended up getting shut down by CBS, who now own the rights to Star Trek. About I think two years ago now. Um, and they only they only shut it down because, well, two reasons. It started to get really, really popular, and it was really well produced. And CBS introduced these draconian fan project guidelines that basically killed off the project. They basically said, you can produce fan works of this as long as it's bad. <laughs> and um, an example I can think of is a fan game uh, for the... IP Yu-Gi-Oh, which was the fan project was Dueling Network, which was huge. It was a browser-based simulator of the Yu-Gi-Oh game that you could play. Since you didn't have to download any programs, you could play it on any device, and it had all the cards, and you could just play it whenever, wherever. Um, It was super convenient, especially since Konami didn't actually release an online simulator themselves. There was no way to do it except by doing it fan wise but dueling network got shut down because konami decided to release their own quote-unquote online simulator which is like oh god i forgot the name but it's a mobile app which isn't actually an online simulator because it doesn't actually have all the cards so r.i.p no more dueling network yeah and you know what that that's something that that sort of irks me slightly because um like I look at some of these, uh, and I think we'll talk about this more in a second. But I think a lot of these companies that do this, especially in the West, will shut down these fan projects. Who some of them are done by incredibly creative and talented people, both like artists and like in the ter- what you were talking about, the Dueling Network is like obviously some good programming went into it. Um, that 
a lot of these companies have a gold mine here where they could actually hire these people to work on exactly. this stuff and make it and make it the way that the fans because these people are obviously the, already fans and they know what other fans want. Exactly. I am literally willing to pay for an online simulator of Yu-Gi-Oh, but you won't provide it to me, Konami. You just won't. <laughs> Or, or even, like, Konami could approach these people and say, hey, we know what you're doing is kind of violating our copyright, but would, you know, l- let us license it. Exactly. Let us pay you yeah. to, have, to have the rights to this. Like, give us the rights to this, and we will pay you in return. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's a much more symbiotic relationship between, like, uh, fans and um, the people that make this stuff. And I think that that's something that, that anime and manga studios have kind of learned when it comes to doujinshi that I, makes the symbiotic relationship work. Um, well, like, okay, so a major issue with this that relates to this is that the rights owners are going to be losing profits if they let the fan projects go by themselves and we've been recommending why don't you just license it but japan does neither they they don't license it they just let it go yeah they kind of they kind of take what i'd like to like to refer to as like a laissez-faire approach like let it be like and i think a lot of these um a lot of these anime and manga studios kind of look at it it's like well we it's like free advertising for them. It really is. Well, technically, you could. I think that's really optimistic to say that it's free advertising, because like, well, at what point does free advertising turn into lost profits? Like, where does that line get drawn? Because <laughs> if they licensed it, would they be making more money than if they just let it go by themselves? I think that there's actually a good point to be made here. So one of the uh, articles that I looked at while researching this topic um, uh, referenced a survey that was done of about 4,000 doujinshi artists um, and basically says that of the people that go to like the big convention, like the, the, the doujinshi conventions every year, like, you know, Kamaket and, and others like that, only like the top 10 or so percent ever walk away with more than like 2000 US dollars worth of like profit from these events where these these doujinshi are sold most people barely make a profit at all or well some people barely make a profit at all most don't even make a profit by selling this stuff so there's a case to be made that these people are actually doing advertising for these properties and making a loss by doing it you could say that, but they're just one person selling their merchandise. If they had the backing of the company that could mass produce their work and sell it on multiple venues, it might actually be profitable for them for the big companies to actually license the doujinshi. It might, and I mean, there's a case to be made that some some like properties, prop, copyright holders of properties, could actually license this doujinshi, make it legitimate and make a ton of money doing it because honestly Um, like when i'm looking at derivative works for like peripheral works to buy relating to anime manga like figures blu-rays doujinshi is like one of the for me one of the most like appealing derivative peripheral things to get because i don't know it's like i like it so 
it's yeah. a good appeal for me. It's certainly it's certainly a, a way to to bring in some revenue, even if it's not a whole lot. It it certainly would count for some. Um, but I forgot where I was going with this. Um, uh, action. Yeah. Um. Uh. I I think that so. For you, I I I sure I think you and I have talked about this before. So, have you ever um, actually gone and seen a doujinshi for um, a property that you have, like an anime or a manga you've never actually read or watched, and then because of that doujinshi, you actually went and read or watched what it was based off of? Yeah, Token Rambu. There um, you go. Yeah, it advertised itself to you through doujinshi, and you bought into it. Exactly. Literally. Exactly. <laughs> I actually, like, I watched the anime on Crunchyroll. I bought, like, a bajillion keychains. <laughs> yeah. And and you probably wouldn't have d- done that unless probably. you hadn't have read the doujinshi first. I mean, maybe you would have through word of mouth, but I think that there's a strong case we made that, that in that particular instance, like you described with Togun Rambu, um, it, it advertised itself to you through the doujinshi that was made by independent artists. Yeah, I would not be like Token Rambu is originally a game, and I don't have the patience to play it. It's like collect them all and then battle with them. All the boys collect the boys and battle with them. Like I don't have the patience for that. But it's like a Godshapon game, really? Yeah, I I don't know, but um, yeah, but I don't. Ha- so I don't have the patience for that. So I would just about the Dojinchi. I have the patience for. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was the same way with Tales of Zestiria. I like I had never played a Tales game before. And I'd never, um, I never saw the Tales of Zestiria anime, but I saw the Dojinshi, which some of it you linked to me that was awesome. <laughs> um, and it actually got me to go watch it and play the game. Exactly. So I um, still recommend the Dojinshi over everything <laughs> else, though. <laughs> nice. Um, no, the games actually had not have bad. Um, but in that sense, I think it's definitely good advertising for these people because I went and I I bought the Tales of Zestiria game. I watched Tales of Zestiria on was it on Crunchyroll? Uh, no, yeah. it was on no Funimation. Funimation. I yes, I watched it on Funimation. Which yes, I actually still have a fucking subscription to Funimation that I pay for every month. Um. Yeah, I think it's good advertising. I think anything that's done by like fan art is good advertising too, and like th- th- that's something that no one ever talks about really. Even like Dojinshi is essentially fan art, but just like highly produced fan art that's done in like a serial format. Whereas like you, no one like no one ever talks about the fan art. Like theoretically, you could argue that fan art is in and of itself a a uh, violation of copyright. Yeah. And especially you can you can especially do it because a lot of um, a lot of independent artists who make fan art do so on commission, so they're getting paid to do it. I see. Mm. I mean, if they're just making it for themselves and they just they throw it up online, it's like, oh well, no money has been made and whatever. I guess you can say that there's no profit lost for the copyright holder. But in terms of these artists who do commissions for the, the fan art especially artists do commissions for very lewd fan art you could certainly say there's a, a copyright violation going on because some of these artists who are like really well known end up charging two three hundred dollars for some fan art i guess but like i mean you're right but 
I'd say the fan art industry is less lucrative than the doujinshi industry because like doujinshi you sell to multiple people but fan art you're only selling to the one person that commissioned it. True, but in the, the in the spirit of the law, it's probably it's essentially the same thing. Yeah, except actually, where there's a lot of um, people on Patreon that do uh, yeah. lewd fan art for multiple people, and you have to pay for it. So that kind of setup would actually be pretty lucrative, and it it, it goes against the spirit of copyright. And but there there are some it. people there are some people on that do that on Patreon who quite legitimately make a living off of it like it may not be the best living in the world but they make enough to you know live and pay their bills and shit doing that yep um so i think that that's something that it never gets talked about but it's certainly in the same way that dojinchi violates copyright it it leads the spirit of it i think um one of the things that um this whole copyright argument brings to to light is so in the west we have this concept of fair use uh, which is something that a lot of people have issues with, especially in how it's um, interpreted. Uh, it's been over the last few years on YouTube. I think that Google and YouTube have used it in pretty nefarious ways to shut a bunch of people down for very you know, not really great reasons. Um, certainly not very strong reasons. Um, but so the idea of fair use essentially comes down to this idea that Okay, so you can use a certain portion of a copyrighted work as long as it's transformative in some way. And a lot of this is used, especially on YouTube, for people who make like commentary or criticism of copyrighted works where they'll show clips or sections of that copyrighted work to, to prove a point or to, to, to criticize a specific aspect of it. Um, some people get copyright strikes on YouTube <clears throat> like us. For doing such a thing. Um, but do you personally think, show that Dojinshi is transformative enough to survive that fair use clause? I don't think so, at least not from a Canadian perspective, because you're basically just writing a fan fiction and then drawing it out. Yeah. Well, which, you're writing fan fiction, then illustrating it. Exactly. Which is, to me, is not transformative. I think that's just, you're just stealing the IP of the person you're stealing from and just writing your own story. I mean, commentary and criticism it's is necessary to be protected by fair use because how can we discuss it if it's not, if it, it'll break the law? But like, selling writing your own story based on these characters and then selling it is i think it's not transformative enough now what what if like say someone were to create a doujinshi that had all original characters in it but used a setting that was already established in another work it had an original story with original characters would that be transformative enough if the setting is iconic enough then i think it wouldn't be transformative um it all depends on like is the selling point of the doujinshi the setting or is or does no one care about that? Because if no one cares about that, then I don't think it matters. But if that's the selling point, I think it's not transformative. I guess it, that's, that's a fair enough point. Um, I, it, this idea of transformative, at least here in the West and, and most specifically here in America, was kind of worked out in the Supreme Court with 
you know, trials over fair use over the years. Um, and transformative is kind of left up to the copyright holder, honestly, which is why you see so many people getting content ID strikes and copyright strikes on YouTube for, for posting this stuff. And I don't, think it's necessarily right i really think here in the west personally we we need i think we should take a more japanese approach to some of this um i especially think that the um the uh uh what was was going on this oh like the music industry or the um the movie industry should really take a japanese approach to this and actually i think that the japanese sort of approach doujinshi in the same way that like video game manufacturers in the west have regarded these let's players on youtube whereas they kind of leave them alone as long as they're not inherently bashing the studio or the people that make it or you know stuff like that um and they're just playing the game to show it off i honestly Honestly, think there's nothing wrong with that honestly you're right like Let's Plays are very much similar to Dojinchi, and I think they go against the spirit of copyright, but, like, the companies don't care. They just let it happen. Yeah. And I think that the... And, you know, it, and it's it's not even... said like, the anime industry kind of turns a blind eye to Dojinchi, but yet when some people, like, on YouTube try to post, uh, like, criticism videos with clips from anime a lot of times that gets taken down and they have to rework it and they have to do these little tricks to trick the system like flipping the image or you know applying a image filters on top of it so that it looks different and it doesn't get caught by the content id system and i I really think that while anime and manga studios are really good at leaving doujinshi artists alone i really think they need to do the same thing to people that criticize their work they should but um, the reason why they don't care about Dojinshi and they do care about uh, the YouTube videos is because there's a whole culture in Dojinshi and there's, there's other reasons besides free advertising to keep Dojinshi uh, in the legal area. Um, but there's not so much a culture of criticism videos. So they're like, fuck True. That. True. I, I think this idea of criticism is like kind of, I hate to use this term, but foreign to the to the Jap- these Japanese companies. Um, I don't think these like I don't think in Japan you have people like Digipro or Giga who pu- pull out or you know throw out these videos where they're constantly criticizing and and commenting on the state of the industry or the state of certain shows or studios and stuff like that. Who knows? I don't speak Japanese. I wouldn't be able to watch it anyways. <laughs> um, I, if there are, I, I, they're not prominent outside of Japan. Yeah, that's because true. Because I haven't. Yeah. Because we haven't heard of it. <laughs> and we are the <laughs> we are the test for how yeah. prominent a well, person is. Well, Whether we've no, heard but... it or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just saying that like, you'd think if someone was really prominent outside, outside of Japan who did that kind of stuff we'd heard we at least heard about them yeah um so i i think that's sort of something that the japanese don't really get into that much um but what you you mentioned that there are other um reasons that dojinshi kind of stays in this legal gray area intentionally i think one of those that i definitely deserves to be mentioned is the fact that a lot of uh mangaka who end up well not a lot i'll say a certain percentage of mangaka who end up getting big are mangaka who started out producing doujinshi yeah and uh, 
the the now that like the dojinshi writer has become the published mangaka they feel bad for punishing other dojinshi writers who are writing about their published manga and then the mm-hmm. cycle continues and continues like just keep yeah, doubling down one of the one of the the articles that i read about this actually came up with a really good uh like way to describe it where the 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 doujinshi artists become the mangaka and then the mangaka don't go after the doujinshi artists they said instead of it being a vicious cycle of you know cease and desist it becomes a virtuous cycle of live live and let live and and raise up i guess so Um, it's kind of (laughs) like it's not like this at all but (laughs) it's like I relate this to how, you know, how Country was an illegal uh, streamer before, and then they became a legal streamer, but people still hate, people still hate illegal streaming sites. Yeah, even I, that's though the Crunchyroll, that's the, Crunchyroll would not be where it is today if it had not started out as an illegal the, That's site. where the cycle stops. Yeah. <laughs> to me, like, to me, it doesn't make sense with this virtual, virtuous cycle. doesn't make sense. It's like... It's still bad when you did initially. <laughs> True. But if it if it if it raises the industry up and it raises your craft up, is it really that bad? I don't know, is the legal streaming bad? It, yeah. Um <laughs> that's a counter to your point. <laughs> uh, I did I do I do want to point out two very prominent mangaka who this has actually happened to where they started out as doujinshi artists and ended up becoming pretty big deals within the manga community. One of them is uh, Kyohiko Azuma, uh, perhaps best known for his two manga, Azumanga Dayo and Yatsuba To. Uh, by the way, Yatsuba is adorable and you should definitely read it. So is Azumanga Dayo. And the anime for Azumanga Dayo is absolutely wonderful. Um, and then another one, uh, probably a little less prominent, is Chika Umino, who is the creator of the manga... Uh, two manga honey and clover and march comes in like a lion um both of which are pretty big successes um and then of course you have probably one of the most notorious uh doujinshi groups or what they're called circles in uh or well back in the 80s and 90s was clamp and now that they've they've become really big for stuff like chobits card capture sakura and x so and let's be honest uh, you wouldn't have had uh, Code Geass without Clamp, so I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, honey. Oh, <laughs> I don't honey. know. Do you like Do you like spaghetti limbs? <laughs> Not necessarily, because <laughs> that's what Clamp is known for. There's spaghetti limbs. Although people love Cardcaptor Sakura too. Oh yeah, it's like, iconic. If you grew up in the '90s, I mean, in, in the early 2000s, watching anime. You, probably have a soft spot in your heart for card cap to sakura um so uh, it's certainly it's certainly uh kind of an interesting spot in terms of like an artistic industry where these people who are blatantly violating copyright it's kind of like a a way for them to get into the industry that they love yeah because like you have and it's gotten to the point now where these anime studios and manga studios are kind of so laissez-faire about this they'll go they'll send representatives to these doujinshi uh like conventions and they'll actively seek out new talent from them which really it confuses me it's like the the 
the manga industry is so on the fence. Like they want to get involved in the doujinshi uh, sort of like industry, but they don't at the same time. It's like, no, don't you do your own thing. We won't prosecute you. We won't license you. We won't interact with you. But at the same time, we're going to keep an eye on you. We want your talent. We want to actually publish you, but we don't want to get in your way. We don't want to, you know, support this, but we do want to support this. Like come to our <laughs> industry. <laughs> like it's girl, of- just do one or the other. Like, it's sort of I schizophrenic swear. in that regard, isn't it? Oh my it? god. Like, either ban it, like, prosecute it, or, you know, incorporate it and license it and sell it. Like, I don't understand what they're doing right now. Right now, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> but whatever. I, does, that, does, that, does that make what they're doing, like, uh, in a, from a business standpoint, ethical? That they're kind of rewarding people who are blatantly violating copyright? I don't think it's ethical. Because... They're losing, I think they're losing profits because I think that doujinshi is a really uh, hot commodity that they're not taking an advantage of. So and you think just, it would be better, it would be better for, for these manga studios they put if in they the, came in and, yeah, and they said, like, and they, and they the, said let, let us license this. Yeah, like the manga studio or the manga artist is the one who put in all the work developing these characters and then these derivative works are like getting really popular Um even though they're not selling that well because they don't have any infrastructure to sell them, but they're getting really popular. And, you know, it was the original manga's, like, fault, or not fault, but, like, the reason why it got so popular as it trickled down to Jojinchi comes back to the original manga, but their hard work isn't being rewarded because they don't want to take on the Jojinchi industry. So, to me, it's not ethical. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's worth it's worth pointing out that while um, while a lot of anime and manga studios in Japan turn a blind eye to what they're doing, not all of them do. Some of them have there are there are a minority that will say like, "Listen, we don't, we won't necessarily go after you, but just please don't." <laughs> <laughs> um. So. I, probably one of the biggest examples of that is trigger like they won't they won't they will not actively go after anyone who produces doujinshi of their work but every time they produce something they're like please don't (laughs) (laughs) um and actually so when i went to um ozakon earlier this year and some representatives from studio trigger were there someone actually asked them this question it's like why do you guys have like this uh, aversion to people doing uh, doujinshi of your work and there was a long silence and Yo Yoshinari finally said we think of these characters as our children <laughs> we really would like to not see our children get like sexualized well actually John isn't here but a point that he brought up is that he allegedly finds it unethical when these pure characters get looted by rule 34 (laughs) i don't know if uh that's an issue um well and the part of the reason i bring up trigger is because currently uh we're, we're recording this in fall 2018 so currently there is a trigger show airing called sss gridman um and it's actually a partnership with uh suburaya 
which is a company that historically will actually go after people for producing doujinshi of their work. And it's been kind of a, over the last few weeks since this show started airing, there's, there's a character in it that has some really thick thighs that people love to lewd, um, myself included. And uh, people are like really itching to make doujinshi with these characters. And they're like, no, no, no. And then finally, Subaraya finally caved and said, all right, I guess. Because <laughs> uh, nice. Trigger, Trigger was going by their old, their, their stalwart, like, we won't say anything, but please don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to these doujinshi, honestly. <laughs> Have fun. But I kind of do get John's point that you mentioned, like, you know, and I mentioned earlier, it's like there's these characters that already have established personality traits and established motives and everything, and you're putting them, especially if it's a really highly sexual doujinshi, it's like you're putting these these, these characters in situations like, this is not what this character would do in this situation. Or like, you know, there's an issue that comes up when, uh, you have these shows that are quite obviously not supposed to have um, 18 plus content in it, like kids shows yeah. <laughs> that become looted by doujinshi artists. And, you know, like I don't know. I don't Pokemon. Sure. I don't know if uh, it would be in the rights owner's best interest <laughs> to license that or not. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> I can assuredly tell you that it's a big no. Yeah, so that's an issue in and of itself. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I think in that case, should they go after people who do this? I still don't think so. I still think in the end that makes them look bad. But they certainly should distance distance themselves from it. It's like, we don't agree with this. We don't support this. But we're not going to go after you for doing it. I don't know. All I say, I am biased to because there's a lot of uh, IPs that are not meant to be looted that I enjoy looting. So I'm biased towards the loots, honey. Like literally any anime series that has even one shota in it. Exactly. <laughs> it's like you look at that shota. That shota is mine. <laughs> get away! Exactly. Get away! It's mine now. It's like okay, like not even lying. There's some. Um, uh, kid shows that are like I don't even like the character designs I don't even like anything about the show it's stupid and annoying and I don't want to deal with it but then like the doujinshi is good so I'm like I really <laughs> like this doujinshi <laughs> but I really like, don't like the you, show or anything like, why, else why, about why, it why couldn't you doujinshi creator make this as the story of this thing exactly. I like exactly <laughs> I mean yeah there's I, I completely understand. <laughs> I have had situations like that in my life. Uh-huh. Very nice. Um, And I think there's also another part of why this the doujinshi artists aren't sort of gone after. And that's just the non-confrontational nature of the Japanese. It could be. I, there's just... There, there's this really... There's certainly a dissuasion within the within Japanese within modern Japanese culture of avoiding conflict whenever possible, and there's also like this antithesis of um, uh, frivolous lawsuits. 
So it's like, if you're not going to gain anything from this lawsuit, why initiate it in the first place? Yeah, and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, because, like, this sort of non-confrontational culture has its pros and cons um, over the very confrontational American culture, but... I don't know if this particular aspect is good or bad. Uh, well, America's America's legal system is certainly confrontational. In fact, it's literally called an adversarial legal legal system. Exactly. Um, but again, and you look you look at America, and there are a fair number of what a lot of people would consider frivolous lawsuits in this country, especially regarding copyright. Oh, honey, just just tune into Judge Judy, honey. Want frivolous, <laughs> frivolous. <laughs> Legal suits. <laughs> the most, the most frivolous of all frivolousness. <laughs> oh, honey, we made it. We made a TV show about how frivolous our suits are. Oh, honey. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, I, I think there. It's a double-edged sword for sure because I think there is there is a potential. It's, it's a very narrow potential, but I think the potential certainly exists that like an uh, a, an individual Dojinchi artist could make it really big and start making a ton of money like a ton of money they could find a way to get like a distribution net in ser- in service they could find a way to hire people to do marketing for them and like if that happens are these companies still going to be as non-confrontational because then you could make you could certainly make the case that if that ever happens you could be losing profit by not actually going after this well then at that point it's like is it even Dojinchi anymore? Because it's it's become so established. If it's so, using the derivative works and or derivative characters, then yes, it is. But it's not because it's not it's not catering to a specific audience anymore because it's so popular. True, it de- it would cater to a much more broad audience for sure. So I, I, ah, you actually bring up a good point. Um, would it even be considered Dojinji at that point, or would it just be considered something else? I think you would have a stronger case to go after someone for copyright, though, if if they're oh, yeah. using characters that are already established. I yeah, I think um, when Dojinji, if Dojinji uh, artists become too big, then they're they'll get prosecuted, but they don't. And then get... What happens? What happens if the Dojinji that, that these artists make end up becoming more popular than the actual show or manga that they're based off of? Go. I don't know. <laughs> I just, like it's a very then the rare... Dojinchi artist sues the <laughs> IP yes. holder. Like, this is mine now, bitch. Um, I, mean, I did it better, bitch. It's it's like an obviously it's a, it's a narrow like possibility that that could happen, but it's certainly not outside the realms of possibility that that could happen one day. Um, I mean, hell, and you never know. I mean, with with online distribution, you never know what could happen. You never know what's gonna go viral, honey. Um, I think one uh, last point I would like to make, which is something I did read in another one of these articles, is that uh, there is certainly a possibility that this sort of laissez-faire attitude might be ending soon. There is a uh, an organization in Japan called the JASRAC or JASRAC, which is the Japanese Society for Rights of Authors, Composers, and Publishers. Um, which for now pretty much only polices the Japanese music industry, but they've said that they are trying to expand their reach into art and literature. So this could actually be a really bad thing for a doujinshi artist because the 
the jazz rack is known for initiating some very uh shall we say punitive lawsuits against people for doing pretty innocuous things uh one of them is they tried to charge people for tweeting japanese song lyrics on twitter um, and they also find over 200 <laughs> small businesses for committing the crime of playing music on iPods during business hours. Wait, how can you prosecute tweets if you don't, you're not making money out of it? I, this is the kind of thing, that this, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not, I'm not condoning it in any way. I'm just saying that this is the kind of thing that this organization is known for within the Japanese music industry. Like they're essentially like god in the japanese music industry oh japan it's either one extreme or the other exactly um and i think that this jazz rack is something that is modeled almost entirely out of stuff from the american legal system where you have these like societies and organizations that will that exist solely to prosecute people who violate copyright and they, they, they will seek out the most innocuous forms of copyright infringement that you can think of, and they will prosecute those people to the absolute fullest extent of the law. Gotta meet them quotas. I, apparently. I mean, and, and I get it, and I think a lot of people do too. Like, artists who create these things for you know manga studios and, and anime studios deserve to get paid for their work. They deserve to be rewarded for the work they do. But I also don't think that they should forget where they came from. Because every single manga artist and animator started out as an amateur, which is exactly what doujinshi artists are. Amateurs. Mm-hmm. I think Say. it's a, it's a uh, fucked up system that is wrong. <laughs> Alright, so I think we'll, I'll, I'll end this by asking one final question. Do you think, all things being considered, that Dojinshi actually hurts or helps the manga and anime industries? In the current state, I say no, I, that it hurts the industry. Also, I'd like to point out that, like, I know about the manga industry, but the anime industry is kind of in the shitter. They're, like, barely making any profits, so clearly something needs to be changed. Um... <laughs> And Dojinshi might be. I don't. Well, I want. I want to stop you real quick. Hold uh-huh. on. That all of that. The anime's current. The state of the current anime industry can't all be laid at the feet of Dojinshi. I know, but so a lot of that is mismanagement of studios. Uh, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. But I mean, there's clearly the current system is not working. Um, so I would say the current Dojinshi system is not working either. <laughs> um. Because they're on the fence, like I said, either absorb it into your own, uh, like, selling infrastructure, or, you know, prosecute it. Don't be on the fence. And um, I don't think the advertising is good enough versus the lost profits. Because honestly, if it's big enough to a- for, to, for you to get advertising from it, it's big enough for you to get profits from it. So I don't see that. That really doesn't make sense to me. And I think that they're being stupid right now with how they're handling the the doujinshi industry. Uh, fair enough. I I think that by and large, it's not it's not like killing the industry right now. I think it's certainly not necessarily helping enormously. Um, but I, I do definitely agree with your point that I, I think if not necessarily absorb, but 
I think manga and anime studios should be more open to the idea of licensing some of this uh, uh, doujinshi out to the people that make it, and so that you can create sort of this. That doesn't necessarily have to be fifty-fifty, but like a profit-sharing thing, where it's like the the doujinshi artist can make some money, and then the the copyright holder can license it, and they can make a little bit of money on the side from it. Yeah. That would make I think sense. That, I think I think I think going forward that would be a far more uh, number one profitable and number two wise decision for these two industries because they could, they're not they don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive they can help each other. Japan and the manga industry clearly clearly wants to cooperate with the doujinshi industry, but they're just like, I don't want to go that far. No, 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 not that far. And, and I, I think there, there is one thing we haven't talked about that I think could really, really change the game here. So for, and this this frustrates me to no end, for a, a nation that seems so devoted to like technological advancement, Japan seems utterly unwilling to embrace like stuff like online streaming and online distribution of stuff like manga and, and, and anime. And I think that that could be a huge, huge way to generate profits in doujinshi because you would no longer necessarily have to be constrained to a pen and paper. You could produce all of this stuff digitally and ship it anywhere in the world. Yeah, that's a to people problem who are with to Japan pay. in general with anime and manga as well. Which- which frustrates me so much for a company that loves to flout its technological progress. They are so unwilling to embrace this idea of online distribution of content. I mean, I can understand because the industry was like founded on physical media and it's mostly been um, funded through local sales. But, you know, they're really missing out on the international market. And it's yeah. a huge market. It's international. <laughs> hey, let so. me tell you something. Let me tell you something. In the terms of in terms of Dujinshi, thirst is uni- is a universal language. Oh, honey, don't I know? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. By the way, I do want to mention, tell us you know, what, what you th- think about this. I mean, what are your thoughts on Dojinshi? Is it good for the industry? Is it bad? Uh, let us know in the comments down below. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Discord server become a member of our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our website. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns on this or any episode, feel free to shoot us an email. Links to all of these things will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, show. I won't say goodnight until I've read a good doujinshi. (laughs) I'll link you one. Don't worry. Good. (laughs) 